Trust and humility are important parts of what it means to be a massage therapist. We'll talk about how they can be a dominant part of shaping your practice in today's episode of All on the Table. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of All on the Table, where we talk about the business of massage. My name is Vince Williams. I'm Suzanne Reynolds. And we are going to talk today a little bit about kind of knowing where you fit in to business and and the idea of humility, which is going to be an interesting subject. Yeah. This is something you and I just kind of started riffing on yeah. and realized, oh, we, we might have an episode here. There might be something really good. But yeah. you were telling me something before we started recording today, just about the idea of the dismissive phrase of I understand. So can you tell me about that and really quick? Because I think it's going to lend into what we're talking about. Okay. So when I, when I talk to my students, one of the big things is, well, we cover some rules, you know, we don't fix anything. There's no judgment in the classroom, but I also want them to understand that they'll never be in the shoes of their client. They'll never fully experience what it's like to be another person. And we do that with pain. So my pain tolerance or my pain tolerance and your pain tolerance are different. One of the things I hear a lot of is when I go get a massage and I say I'm in pain and the the therapist goes, well, I understand. To me, it's dismissing me and my experience in my own body. I don't, they don't know what I'm feeling, but it's really important for um, massage therapists to step back and, you know, realize that they don't understand what somebody else is feeling. It's a personal, it's a personal experience. They understand the idea of right. pain. They, they felt it themselves. But we they, can relate yeah. by it. Right. Um, we can relate to it. But like, uh, for instance, tattoos, you know, I can sit for eight hours, no problem getting tattoo work. But somebody else who might want to get a small piece, maybe, you know, they're into it 10 minutes and they're done. You know, pain is an abstract and complex idea. But again, we don't want to dismiss anybody because doctors do that all the time. It's all in your head. Yeah. It's all in your head. And I'm seeing that more and more with clients. Do you use that one to 10? Because I know that's become hot. I don't remember that when I was a kid, but as as I've gotten older now and I talk to nurses or other things like that, I know Mm -hmm. it's, uh, they're giving you a a way to sort of verbalize a value to that. Is that what you would recommend? It's it's subjective because it's hard to see pain objectively. So that, they call that the Wong Baker uh, facial recognition pain chart. And it goes one to 10. Gotcha. One or zero being no pain and 10 being the worst pain ever. And so they use that to identify it. But even still, again, I could just have a slice on my thumb and go, it's a one and somebody else can go, I'm dying. It's a 10, you know? So I try to get my students to really understand that, you know, I can't say I understand what somebody else is going through. I try to acknowledge what they're going through and trying to be the person, the one person in their healthcare that believes them that they are in pain. And it's, and it's, you have to. Is there a phrase or something that you would use in that situation that you could share with our uh, listeners? Such a. If somebody says, I'm in pain, instead of saying, I understand. I say, tell me a little bit about it and what's going on and if you can describe it. Stay curious. Right, absolutely. I'm going to ask more questions. The way I'm going to find more about it is palpation, actually getting them on the table and working around it, and then having their reaction that that's really painful, that's tender, and really paying attention to them with that. 
But again, just because um, I have a couple clients who have had back surgeries, I've had back surgery, it's not the same thing. It might be the same technique, but the matter of healing and how painful it is, I'm never going to know what yeah. they feel like and they're never going to. And so we have to, you bring up humility, we have to not be all-knowing. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing is I've noticed when massage therapists have big egos, that's when damage happens. Yeah. And that to me is concerning. That's probably going to tick some people off. But again, it's I'm very client-centered. I want to know what's going on with them. And I can't do that if I'm all-knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this does kind of lend back to the conversation we were having off, off uh, mic, which was just this idea of humility and how people really see humility as this idea of meekness or this idea of sort of subservience. Um, and that, in, in my opinion, and as I've researched the topic through for business purposes and other things, I, I've seen that the best definition I've seen is knowing your right place in the universe. Right. And that really being the idea that we all know false humility. We all know that idea of sort of, you know, I'm not good or I'm not that. And, you know, you're sort of trying to pull out of somebody their praise and things. And look, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've done it. Everyone does it at some level. Yeah, um, we, we love a nice uh, uh, boy. Yeah, an attaboy here and there. <laughs> I'll take a sticker when I can get one. Um, but, Gold star. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I do think that what, what we're talking about here is being open. And I think where ego gets in the way is it creates a barrier to this flow. And that flow is being able to see where you're at in relationship to how you can help, how you can heal, how you can grow, how you can you know benefit society, people, and, and the world we live in, okay. and simultaneously know where you need to grow, where your flaws might be, where your challenges are. I think when people are faced... Uh, and in my own life, I've seen where if I'm faced with a deficit or, a, you know, something where I'm like, I'm not good at this right. or I'm not, uh, I, I tend to avoid it. I tend to, um, you know, go a different direction. You, you know that I have chosen to do something this year. I do this uh, because I believe in personal growth very much and I want to live what I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but I started a year ago taking singing lessons. Right. And when people find that out, they're like, oh, so you like to sing. And I'm like, well, I do love to sing, but I'm not good. And they're like, of course you are. This is false humility. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Call my teacher. She'll let you know that that's not the case. The truth is I took singing lessons because this year I wanted to push myself as we get older. Uh, we tend to avoid being right. doing things we're not good at because as you get older, the collection of things you are good at are a little higher and the, you, there's things you can avoid that you're not good at. When you're a kid, you're not good at anything because you're just starting out. But right. we lose that as we get older. And so I really wanted to do something that was vulnerable and that was hard and really pushed me in that way. And to stand in front of a professional singer and let my voice <laughs> croak out felt as vulnerable as it could get. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and day one was, woohoo, that was a that was fun. And worse yet, they had a child student that came into the like they're the next student. And so they came into the classroom and they were instructed just like when you arrive, show up. So she showed up five minutes early. Uh -huh. So now I'm singing, not in front of just a teacher, 
but in front of a child <laughs> who's my superior in every way, vocally, right. I'm sure. Right. And and having to, you know, experience that feeling. You flush and it doesn't feel good. So this is what happens to us, right? right. When we when we have a deficit, we, we we tend to avoid it. But I think that the most successful people, as I've studied and as I've talked to people and as I've looked around the world, they're people that can balance the idea that you can still teach, you can still help clients, you can still have immense value and be able at the same time to know there are stairs you have to go up Absolutely. Uh, and there are things you have to do. And I do have an analogy for this, but I want to hear your take uh, on this subject and then I'll, I'll share everybody with the analogy I use with my clients. Okay. Yeah. I just, I remember getting thrown into the teaching realm. It was pretty early in my career. I was following my mentor. Um, we were setting up a program in, in Honolulu and we had a class of about 50 and I was still pretty new at teaching and I kind of felt that teachers had to know it all, you know, cause professor or, um, and what I realized is what you bring to the table is just as important. I can't answer every question that happens in a classroom. I have, you know, I have anxiety attacks if I can't, you know, if, if I'm not giving the right information, but I try to, you know, I study before and I look at the information and at one point in time, you just come from experience, but I'm, I'm not shy to talk about my mistakes through massage. I'm not shy to, you know, blow a raspberry here and there because I always believe, and especially massage, when you're working on people, you know, some of the things that we hear, are, oh my gosh, you're the greatest massage therapist ever. So it's really, you hear that more than not. And you, it's easy to get a really big hand. And so I always let people know there's always better and there's always worse. They even tell me how whatever guru, and I'm like, I'm not a guru. There's always better. There's always worse. There's always going to be somebody better than me. And there's always going to be something, somebody that's worse than me. So just cruising in the middle and, and realizing I still have so much to learn. Um, and especially when things are changing in the field or changing mm-hmm. in... Yeah. In the world, you know, I still have a ton to learn. We'll be right back with more All on the Table. Let's face it, starting a business can be scary, especially when you consider the initial costs of room rent, leases, credit checks, and furnishing a professional space. But what if there was a place that allowed you to own your own business, but took care of all of those daunting details? Well, there is, and it's called WellSpace. And it's made just for massage therapists and wellness professionals. At WellSpace, you are a member in a flexible room rental environment. You run your practice, but with no leases or credit checks. You pay a small monthly fee and then rent the rooms as your business grows. The best part is that WellSpace handles all the details for you. Their facility is located in an easy-to-find retail location with plenty of parking. The building utilizes top security systems to protect you and your clients. They offer an automated check-in system, cleaning service, and even sheet service. It's all included. Plus, each room comes with top quality hydraulic tables and are fully furnished in a professional but neutral way so that you can bring your business's flavor into the room while you're treating your clients. Now your massage business can compete with top-end facilities without the cost or the stress. Memberships start at just $45 a month for new practitioners. The best way to understand how this will expand your practice is to come and see it for yourself. 
Take a walkthrough and discover what your practice can look like. Visit wellspacenw.com to sign up for a walkthrough tour today. That's wellspacenw.com. Wellspace, flexible treatment rooms for wellness professionals. And now, back to the podcast. But I, I don't believe in ha- having an ego. It's good to have confidence what you do. Yeah, very different thing. And I think that's good. Yeah, we, we, but we when you that. have an ego, it, it trumps what the client is saying and feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've run into that where um, they get hurt and then they just never go back. And then they don't ever get massage again because they don't go back because they've been injured because it became more of what the therapist wants to do than the therapist listening to the client. And that's where I, you know, that humility piece is huge. They don't have to be on your table. Right. People don't have to return to me. Yeah. You know, it's their option. I'm glad that they do. And I honor them that way. But if I start getting big headed about it, then I have a feeling I'm going to have, you know, problems on my hand. I'm going to start losing clients. So I come from, I just try to come from an area that I don't know at all, but, you know, I'm willing to learn it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that actually adds immensely to the relational component. I think one of the things to building a long-term practice with a clientele is to have multiple points of connection. So if you, if somebody walks in the first time and they're on your table and that's the experience they have and that's it, then you, you do have the potential for it, it being harder. Now, if they get on your table a second time, a third time, a fourth time, you're building that relationship, you're building that right. connection. But there's other ways to do that, right? Like if they ask you a question or if something comes up, and I've seen this, um, you know, grabbing an email address from the person and saying, hey, you know what? I don't know that or uh, so let me look it up, right? right? It's okay to say you don't know, right? right? If they're asking you and you don't know, they're not going to think that you're a dullard. You know, it's that's not the case. Also, if... Uh, if you have extra information or you don't have the resources right then, there's actually, it's great to be able to say like, let me send you an email and I'll send you a couple stretches or I'll send you a couple of things that go with that. Right. That's a second point of connection. Relationship is not just about connection and the value in that relationship in that moment. It's about consistency. Right. And so if you can get, when I work with a client, if I speak to a client four, five, six times before we even get to the part where we're talking about the transactional element, like what I'm right. going to do for them, um, I find that my ability to continue and for them to sign an agreement and us to move forward is substantially higher. Right. Right? Substantially, because we've talked a couple of times. We know now uh, through the weeks that I like to talk about my wife and her business, but right. one of the things that she does is she has these really big experiences with potential clients and clients where they come into her office and she meets them and they sit down and they have some food and some drink and they, right. they talk. it's, you know, she could do some of this stuff just over the phone or some of those things, but it's, it's connection that allows for when they get in front of the camera, right. or when they do those things to be more connected. And so I think as a massage therapist, it's okay to say, you don't know, you're going to go learn or the next time I see you again, Let's work on that and I'll go build some techniques or, right. or you know, I'm going to go research best ways to handle that. Absolutely. Um, I think that shows care and concern. Don't yeah. Agree? Well, with massage therapy, you know, we basically what we deal with the most is trust. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. We deal in trust. If a client doesn't trust you as a massage therapist, they're not going to be able to relax. They're not going to. So I want to earn that trust. I want them to be as comfortable as they want, you know, as comfortable as possible while they're receiving work. Because if they're not, they're just going to, their muscles are going to contract. They're going to be uncomfortable. Um, and, and they never say I'm not coming back. They just don't. Right. You know, they don't, you know, and I'm always one that says you want to rebook and they're like, ah, well, let me see. And you just know at that point, but that's what we deal a lot of is trust. And, and to me, um, listening is very important to listen to your client because it does, it builds trust, Mm -hmm. um, in that. And, you know, I'm to a point with most of my clients where we can have a nice conversation, um, about, you know, what's going on in their lives, but it's still, all about the client. It's always about the client. If I start getting again a big head, which I'm just thrilled the clients on my table most of the time, I respect them. I ask people, you know, do you earn respect or do you give people respect? Yeah. And I always say that I give people respect until they break that. Right. Unless they do something that is going to make me break that respect. Because we can't, again, with massage, we depend on our clientele for our income. So you need to have this network of trust in what's going on. It's interesting that you bring up trust because I have a, I, I have a formula. It's a simple formula, but a formula that I built uh, over the years. Because one thing I noted as somebody who'd worked in business and been in sales processes and been in these other things is that um, a lot of people, when I was training, I was a sales manager and I was training salespeople, that, you know, they always thought we've got to be liked, right? right. We've got to be liked. And it turns out like is only a, a piece of the puzzle, but it's a very small piece. Right. And respect is, is this bigger piece, right? Like people will buy from the people they respect more than they'll buy from the right. people they like. But trust, which is the most implicit, which right. is the most important, is actually a combo of the two. And this is the formula that I've put together over my years of experience, and it seems to, to be true as I've, I've looked out in the world. Trust is 70% respect and 30% like. So that means yeah. that it's dominantly you have to respect the person, mm-hmm. but for you to really trust somebody, you also have to like them. Oh, absolutely. And, and part of liking them is, of course, that they also like you. Right. Right. Um, that's that's how like works a little bit. Right. It's hard to like somebody that doesn't like you, right? <laughs> um, and so I think when you're right, you guys are in the business of trust. And I think it's really important for massage therapists, especially independent practitioners, but quite frankly, anyone in the industry to understand that if you're in the trust game, that's where those two pieces come together. And respecting somebody isn't about them knowing everything. It's about vulnerability. That can be part of respect. Um, You know, again, admitting where your weaknesses are. It helps you trust, Mm -hmm. right? You respect somebody more if they say, I'm good at this and I'm not good at this. That makes this part feel better. And again, then if they're likable, if there's an energy, if they care about you, right. you know, the old adage, you know, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Right. Um, that's that component of that. You Absolutely. put those things together and I think you've got clients for life. Absolutely. I, I fully believe that. I, um, I've transitioned from place to place and um, landed at, you know, the school and people that I've worked on at different facilities that I've been at, they followed me to the school and it's just because of building that trust and building that rapport over time is real important to them. And it's also extremely important to me to make sure that they're always comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's a huge component with what I do. And I encourage my students and that's what I tell them. We deal in trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust the client, 
um, then, you know, you need to rethink that client in your business. If the client doesn't trust you, the client probably just won't come back. But if you have it going back and forth, then you have a solid therapeutic relationship for long term. Well, and I think trust, I think all transactions or all um, of those kinds of things require trust. But I think it is different. And I think you guys are very much in the game of trust sort of more than most because of the vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because, you know, I can go order a coffee and I might trust that I'm going to get a good one. Hence why franchises and things might do better Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, standardized, standardized, right? Uh, It's not going to be amazing, but it's going to be okay, you know. (laughs) But, you know, if I get a bad cup of coffee, not that big a deal. But if I'm going to get undressed and under a sheet and then have somebody practice a wellness uh, and health related thing right. on me well, now we're this is there's a lot to that that's and that vulnerability the beauty of that is that when there's a place of vulnerability that is the perfect place to create trust and to build respect and right. build it's also the greatest place to lose it and to damage that if you're not oh, careful yeah. right so i agree with you 100 percent um and i wanted to kind of coming back to that humility component which is the idea that we're always in a constant tension of growth and um, and success or growth and already having accomplished something and know where we're at in, right. in things. And people really have a hard time with that. I have found, and the, the business analogy I use, because you'll find this in business, if you're an independent practitioner um, or any kind of business, you're going to follow this model and it's a spiral staircase. And what I mean by that is it's easy to believe that you're running into the same challenges over and over again. But if you really are running a successful practice and you're putting the right pieces in place, what you'll find is that you're moving up a level every time, mm-hmm. right? So you're coming back around to, okay, I, I need to figure out marketing or I need to figure out uh, clients or I need to figure out better customer experience or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and Or I need to build uh, new skills and increase you know, that side of it. So maybe all of a sudden you have new clients. And then the new clients require new skills. And then the new skills mean that you have more skills and now you have to fix this other component of your business. But all of that is not just a circle. You're not on a treadmill or, or you know, just you know, running the rat race as it were. Right. It is a spiral staircase. So if you're looking at it, you should be able to go through this thing where you get new clients, then you grow in your skills, then you can increase price and increase value right. and be more valuable to your clients. Because you're not just increasing price, you increase price, you're increasing price because you have more value to your clients. Right. And then that more value means that more clients are attracted to you. And now you're coming back around again. Right. And that's how it gets done. And then if you ever go farther and you start to add other therapists to your practice or to your clinic, it's the same thing. Right. It's like, well, we're too busy to do any marketing. Great. But then you're like, oh, but now we're adding somebody. Now we need more of that. And so it's not starting from scratch every time. It's just this growth process. And I think what that does is that should give us the humility to know that we're going, we're somewhere up the flights of stairs, but that we also know that there's always more stairs ahead. Absolutely. And you're going to circle around to the same subjects. I think it's really easy for us to get negative and to think, well, I don't know anything because I didn't know that. Or I'm not good because I wasn't good at that or those kinds of ideas. But it's not true. And I think if we can look at that with that dynamic tension of where we've been and who we are and also where we're headed and who we want to be. Right. If we can have that aspirational component along with that inspirational component, right. what we do is we land in a place where it's easy for people to respect us, like us, and trust us. Yeah. And we build a practice. Yeah. Humility is everything. I always reflect after every session to make sure that I, I met their needs 
Um, did I do anything that might have curled their fingers or where they didn't say anything? Mm-hmm. Did I overstep my boundaries? Anything like that. So self-reflection is a part of that humility and, and understanding that you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And again, you dust off your knees, you stand back up and you keep going. Yep, I agree 100%. I think that every business and every practitioner needs to understand from where they've been, where they're going, and in the middle, and realize you have value um, to clients right where you're standing today, but you have places to go. And I like what you said, and I want to close with this because I think it's really important, is that idea that where there's ego, that's where injury happens. That's where challenges happen in that way. And that's injury physically. That's injury possibly mentally, other kinds of things. Staying humble. Uh, is a great way to build your business. Don't feel like you have to really fake it. Vulnerability is coming from a place of more of a genuine place. It's instinctual in us to sort of want to hide all of that, but don't do it. Don't do it. Real practices, real businesses grow um, in a place of of vulnerability. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. Well, this has been our episode about humility. We'll see you next week. I am Vince. I'm Suzanne. And we are all on the table, the business of massage. Aloha. All on the Table is co-hosted by Suzanne Reynolds, co-founder at Pacific Northwest Massage Academy, and Vince Williams, CEO of ClickHive Marketing. The show is produced in-house. All on the Table is sponsored by WellSpace, flexible room rentals for wellness professionals. New episodes are released weekly wherever you find your podcasts. Podcasts.